Would you turn to Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 17, Pastor Mike read those and prepared our minds and hearts with those words at the beginning of the service. Colossians 3, if you don't have a Bible, it's at page, I think it's around page 925 in one of the Bibles, in 948 in the other Bible, we have two different versions, and if you don't have a Bible, we would love for you to take one and keep it, make it your own. Um, God's Word comes to us in different ways, and sometimes it's quite painful, because God intends to sometimes wound us before he changes us. He brings us to repentance and conviction, and it hurts. And I think about this. I think about my yard work. I like doing yard work. I enjoy cutting grass. I enjoy trimming things. I enjoy making it look good. I am a terrible handyman around the house. Don't call me to do any of those things. I'll mess it up, but I can cut grass. But I have found very, two very painful things this summer, and I want to apply them to what maybe God does in our hearts. Two things happened to me this summer that are painful. One, slow going, and one, quick and a jolt. Yesterday, I am clipping some branches on some trees that are getting in my way as I cut grass. So I'm out there cutting, and I'm at the very end, of course, and as I cut there, I feel a stab in my forearm, and then in my back, and then in my temple. And I'm like, what's going on? And then I realize these bees or wasps, you guys that investigate know all these insect stuff, know probably what it was. And I thought it was in my shirt. I'm like taking my shirt off. My glasses are flying everywhere. And I'm running back to the house, and it looked probably really enjoyable. Um, And it really hurt. I thought I was getting attacked by somebody, and it was something. And God's word sometimes does that in our lives. It just like stings us. It jabs us right there, then and there. Now, unlike that, it's really good for us. Another way is illustrated in the fact that I have these trees that might look really nice, and they have these vines around them, and... When that stuff gets on my skin, it's called poison ivy, and it spreads. But I don't know it the hour it happens, like a sting. I don't know it maybe for a day or two, but I start to know it, and I know it, and I know it for days and weeks sometimes until sometimes I get that steroid shot. It's called poison ivy, and it's a rash, and God's word unlike those two things, are, is glorious and good for us, but like that comes like a sting sometimes and sometimes gradually working in our lives, wounding in order to make real life, spiritual life in us. Oh, that God would do this each week through his word If a person was to come and observe your life, let's say this person is a non-Christian, and that non-Christian watched your life for a week and was so, had so much insight, was able to see almost all the aspects of your life, your relationship with your parents, your hobbies, your children, your relationship with your children, your roommates, 
with your computer, your wife, your husband, your coworkers, your boss, your job, your grandchildren, your sports, your TV viewing time? What would he say about you? What conclusion would he make about you? Would he say, among all those things, Christ is his life? Her life is rooted and grounded in something not of this world that makes her different. This passage is so practical. It is practical to all of us. And God's word and this passage is life to us. Would you look with me at verse 17 of Colossians 3? Paul says, and whatever you do in word and deed or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit, yourself, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants or slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for man, men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he's done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. These are God's words to us through, G- through the Apostle Paul. Friends, Faith Church, if you are a Christian, and all who are members of this church have affirmed, confessed Jesus as Lord, Christ is your life. You have been dressed with Christ and not your old sinful Adam dress. Now live in your relationships and roles and responsibilities in light of this. And I want to say to you this morning, and on the back sheet of your notes, you have five points. I might refer to them, but I've kind of readjusted my sermon, so don't hold too closely to that page. Hold closely to God's word as you listen to this sermon. But I want to say two things about, I think that it this passage implies in everything. God's word, the gospel to our lives implies is, friends, Christ is your boss. Christ is my boss. And Christ is meant to be your obsession. Your all-consuming passion, the thing in which you look at in all things, the thing, the place where you, all your duties find their alignment in Jesus. All your dependency is found in Him. 
All your devotion, your desire to please is found in I desire to please him. Is he okay? And if that's okay, if that's good, everything is good. And he is the one you desire to display. If he looks good, if I reflect him right, that's all that matters. And he's my delight. And I delight in him and I give that delight is expressed in giving thanks to God in everything because of him who is my delight. This passage is about an obsession that children are called to have and husbands are called to have. And we don't have, thank God, in our culture slaves, but employees and students and bosses and wives and grandparents and singles and Christians of all kinds are called to have an obsession with this Jesus who at the beginning of Colossians 3 says he is our life. It's all-encompassing. Do you see this passage? Look at verse 17 with me. And whatever you do, whatever you do. Now, I I don't know about you, but for me, that pretty much includes everything. I don't think it leaves anything out that you do. Whatever you do, and to add to that, the next phrase makes it even clear in word, anything you say and anything you do And if we looked further in the scriptures, we see that all our words come from our attitudes and our our heart. So from the heart comes our words. So whatever you do and say, which all comes from the heart, do everything. There's the all-encompassing nature again. And what does he say we should do it in? In the name of the Lord Jesus. Do everything in the name. So I guess it's probably really important for us to figure out what does it mean to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And ultimately, I would say is we find in in the name of Jesus, we do everything. You are to do everything. You are, it says, all our relationships, all our actions is done in this name. Really practical. Do everything in the name of Jesus. And then the last phrase says, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This isn't another thing to do, and it's not a a punctiliar, you just do that one time and then that's it. It's not like, I gave thanks to Father. No, it's do everything in the name of Jesus, and while you're doing that, and maybe part of what you're doing in doing that is you're giving thanks in everything all of the time because your life is now obsessed with this new relationship. Through Jesus Christ, he says, we give thanks. Why? Because Jesus, who he is, what he's done for us, he is Savior, he is Lord, he is King, he is Sustainer, he is Creator, he is Savior, he is Filler, he is mine, my Redeemer, and he died on the cross for me. I give thanks to God the Father because everything My breath today, my words today, my home today, my life today, my hope of heaven tomorrow, for tomorrow, today enjoyed 
is all because of Jesus. All because of Jesus. All. And verse 18 does not change the subject. He isn't saying, now I want to enter a whole entirely new subject, change of thought. He has just said, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. And husbands, love your wives. And where do we get love? Just a few verses earlier. And it binds together everything with love. God is love. Children, obey your parents in everything. Fathers, don't provoke Discourage your children by your actions. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters. You're serving the Lord. And I want to look at each one briefly. But first note, none of these things, as you move from verses 18 to chapter 4, verse 1, none of these things are natural. By which I mean easy, given our sinful, natural state that is rooted in a lot of pride. I didn't understand that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try harder. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> so, as Google reminded me, it did not understand. Oh, I shouldn't have said Google. None of these things, submitting, obeying, loving, obeying our masters, showing justice and care is natural and easy. We are wired selfish and proud. It's not easy because we're sinful people for all of our lives. You're sinful and the people you relate to are as well. Also, all of these commands require us to reject the world's new way of identifying. I get to identify who I am, the world says. No, Jesus says you are marked by Christ and you are given God-given roles and you cannot escape them. Husbands, you are called to a specific calling. Wives, you're called to a specific calling. Children and parents, also each of these will require you to do things that you don't want to do at times and don't feel like doing at times and at times don't feel the wisest and you're called to trust God. So this passage says, wives and husbands, you have a call. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Wives, he's going to say, surrender your desire to rule. He says, wives, submit to your husbands. That word submit is, has the idea of voluntarily yielding to the authority that God has put him in your life. It is a voluntarily yielding to the leadership of your husband. It's surrendering your desire to rule and being in charge. And he says, this fits the Lord and how he has worked and submitted. Submission by this does not mean a supposed superiority of the husband and an inferiority of the wife. Not at all. In Genesis, she is, God, she is the husband's helper, and that is the same role as the Holy Spirit is in our lives. 
helper to the husband is a glorious thing. She is not obligated to follow him in sin. She is not obligated to remain in a abuseful situation. She is not obligated to allow or allow her energy and creativity to be suppressed. That's not what this passage means. If you read Proverbs 31, the godly virtuous wife, she is ambitious and industrious, glorious. But what does it mean? It's a dis, it's a di, this, wives submit to your husband, you are called to a disposition to honor and affirm the authority and an inclination to willingly embrace his leadership and follow him and submit to him as unto the Lord. It's an attitude of obedience to Jesus Christ. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ in doing this. It is a commitment to support one's husband in such a way that he'll reach his potential, but more importantly, that you will seek to please the Lord. And it is not a calling only when your husbands meet a spiritual criteria of a certain way. If you were to read 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 through 7, you'll see that he tells wives, even when you have husbands who are not obeying the word, do all you can to show this submissive, submissive, beautiful, glorious attitude that is precious in the sight of God because it requires a type of trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Wives, relate to your husbands by doing it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Depend on him because you can't do it on your own. Find your duty as one that's serving the Lord Jesus Christ in order that he would be pleased and know that he will always give justice, will not turn a blind eye to injustice, and will make all wrongs right. Husbands, you are to love your wives. That means you are to love sacrificially, Love is a deliberate, affectionate, and sacrificial pursuit of what's best for the person you are loving. Husbands, you are to deliberately, affectionately, and sacrificially pursue what's best for your wife, which is always God, first and foremost, and her good in all things in this life. You are to do that for your children. You are to do that for all people that God puts in your life, but in a particular, in a special way, you are to care for your wife this way. And he says you are not to be harsh with them. In our day and age, there are still horribly, sinfully, abusively harsh men that should never be true in the church of Jesus Christ. There is no, no call for men that are called the name of Jesus Christ to have a spirit of abuse, of harshness, of manipulation, of power and control over the woman that God has put in their life and they're knit together in marriage. In those situations, they should be brought before 
elders and they should be disciplined. One just confronted and they should repent of their sins and get help to grow in the Lord, to love their wives and not be harsh with their wives. But on the other side, in our day and age, I think Paul is saying, this is the temptation and tendency in my time. You're too many husbands are being harsh. I would say there's another way in which in our day and age, husbands live by the flesh. In their day and age and still in our day and age, some husbands are harsh and they're living in the flesh. They're selfish. They're living according to their own way. There's another way of living according to the flesh and that is husbands are passive. They're pushovers. They're nice guys, but they're spiritually impotent in the family. And they just go with the flow, and they just don't lead, and she tries to help get him to lead, and she leads, and they're frustrated, but he's a nice guy, so I should probably be thankful, right? And yes, you should, but they're not. And I think the heart behind this is, husbands, love your wives. Don't live according to the flesh. Lead in godly ways. Love your wife. Direct her to Christ. Lead the home with her in tenderness and wisdom and devotion to Jesus Christ. Your marriage is not about your happiness. Though God blesses and brings often happiness in marriage, your marriage is not for your glory or your success or your kingdom or your agenda or your fulfillment or your rights. Don't get me wrong. It's a glorious thing. And God brings often great joy in marriage when two are yielded to Jesus Christ and obeying him. But your marriage is for God. Your sex is for God. Your communication is for God. Your commitment to stay together is for God. Your all is for God. You exist together to show off the splendor and majesty of God who loves you and has sacrificially called you by giving his son. And if something other than God and his glory is the goal of your marriage or of your singleness, if you're here and single, those other things become gods, their idols. All other idols eventually consume and destroy us. Paul would have us say, those who are wives and husbands, in the name of the Lord, live. Conduct your marriage with a mindset that Jesus, you're dependent on Jesus. You must obey Jesus in the roles. You must Please, Jesus, in your roles, and you must display Jesus in your roles. He moves on to children and parents, or fathers specifically. He says, children, obey your parents in everything, adding, very importantly, for this pleases the Lord. Children, and I say this, this is a remarkable thing. This letter is written by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, by the Apostle Paul, to an early church in the first century, and they gathered around, and all these children would sit around and they sat there, and then all of a sudden they said, hey, the Apostle Paul's writing to you, young man. Hey, son, come here, listen up, sit up in your chair. It's for you, children. And by the way, you're accountable to Christ. No matter your age, you're accountable to him. If you're sitting in this room, it's, they, we dismissed the third grade and below. And so it's, there might be some under third graders in here, that's great. But fourth graders and above that are still in the home, Jesus has responsibilities for you. 
and he matters and you matter to him. Surrender your desire to rule. Surrender your desire to know what's best and be in charge of your life right now. And this says, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Children, you are to obey. You are to do what they tell you when they tell you with the right attitude. Of course, this and any other command, when we're commanded to obey earthly people, does not mean if you're told to sin or to do something harmful to yourself. No, that's not what that means. But you are to obey even when it's not comfortable, even when you don't like it, even when you don't think it's the best thing to do. Newsflash, a lot of you kids, you're going to be told to do things by your parents that you don't think is the best decision. And pure devotion to Jesus Christ who loved you and gave you, gave himself for you. He knew what he was doing when he instructed the Apostle Paul and when he instructed Moses, honor your father and mother, because this is, comes right out of that. He knew what he was doing when he says, obey your parents in everything. Oh, but hold to this. Do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Depend on him for it. Do it as a way of, of loving the Lord Jesus Christ who loved you and gave himself for you and will never do you wrong and will reward you if you do it in his name and for his sake and depending on him. He says, it pleases the Lord. And fathers, he addresses the fathers, but by no means he didn't mean if you're a single parent and you're a mother of children and he didn't mean this didn't mean mothers either, and mothers are allowed to provoke their children, but fathers aren't, no. He is saying, fathers, you are to take responsibility of your home when there is a father. And you are to not provoke your children to anger lest they become discouraged. I'd like to add what Paul wrote to the Ephesians in chapter 6, verse 4, when he says, and bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And he says, though, here, you are to raise your children, not provoking them to anger or lest they be discouraged. He doesn't mean that parents aren't going to do godly things that aren't going to angry, bring anger to their children because their children are in sin and they just don't want to obey God or they don't want to do what their parents want to do. It means, parents, you need to lead and live in a certain way that doesn't lead to a just charge for your children to get upset or provoked because of things like your hypocrisy as they see you telling them to do something and you don't do it to yourself and you're just living the opposite way, living with inconsistency. Never know what mom or dad is really going to expect from us. One day it's this and the next day it's that. It's exasperating. Parents, we do that when we have wrong priorities. We model that we love other things in the world. We love sports and activities above Christ, above church, above the things of God. And then we expect our children to love Jesus. He says, 
Live in such a way, and how do you do that? You can only do that by doing it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, God, help me, Dad, as a dad. Help us as parents and grandparents. And if you're here not as a parent or a grandparent, but you are a spiritual parent, you are all of us called to that. Oh, God, help us to not provoke our children lest they become discouraged or lose courage in God or hope in God, but instead help us by your grace to do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, pleasing God giving thanks in all things as we raise easy and hard children in easy or hard stages of life. And then he moves on to bondservants and masters. This is a tricky one. Literally, almost all of the other Bible translations does not say bondservants. It says, if you have an NIV or probably a New American Standard or New Living Translation, it says slaves because that's really what this is. But it's important for us to understand that the slavery of Paul's day was different from the slavery of, say, the 1800s, 1700s, approximately two-thirds of the population in Paul's day, which he was in the Roman Empire. Almost two-thirds of them were slaves. How did they become slaves? Either they entered slavery as spoils of war. They were captured. Their country was captured, and they were brought into slavery. Or They sold themselves into slavery. That's what the idea of a bondservant is. They could actually pay themselves back out of debt and get back and free again. And there was a possibility of gaining their freedom from slavery. And it was slavery in Paul's day was not primarily based on a particular race or color. Now, of course, Paul has just announced, if you were to look verses before, Paul announced that in Christ... We're neither slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. And he's going to now say, now, how should slaves that are now part of the church and are Christians, how are they to respond to doing all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to the Father in Christ Jesus, by Christ? Look at these verses beginning in verse 22. These, These verses not only inform, I think, those who are employees and employers and students and teachers and volunteers in a church and pastors and elders and deacons or whatever role, it, it, I think they also impl- they inform some of these things, speak to how we, the, ad- the very same attitude that husbands and wives, children and parents need to have. Slaves, obey your parents. Obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. You catch that, earthly masters? When he says that, they're supposed to go, that's all they are. But I have a heavenly master. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers. Really, not, don't serve just So you do it in a way while everybody's watching so that people would see you and you might look good on the outside. But with sincerity of heart, let it be who you are whether they're looking or not. Fearing 
really with reverent fear to the Lord because he is always watching and he's all that matters because you do everything in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to the Father in Christ. Look at verse 23. Whatever you do, work heartily, wholehearted, as for the Lord and not for men, your earthly master, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. Your reward is coming. It'll be worth it. Brace up and serve the Lord as you serve your earthly master. You are serving the Lord Christ. Verse 25. And then he says, just know your master might be wrong. He might be evil. He might treat you with injustice. The wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. And there is no partiality. God will not look and give favoritism to rich masters, rich bosses, the powerful in the world. He will treat everyone with justice and fairness. And then masters, verse 1 of chapter 4, treat your slaves justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. In these verses, he gives commands. He commands them to obey with sincerity. He gives them commands and tells them how they're to do it, not by just to get by and when people are looking at you. He tells them to obey, to be thorough, to obey in everything heartily. He tells them to be conscientious, not by way of eye service or as man pleasers, He tells them to be cheerful. They are to do heartily and wholeheartedly with their whole being, not just one way, not just half-hearted. And they're to do it. If you were to look in Ephesians 6, they're to do it respectfully with fear and trembling. This even says, do it fearing the Lord. Now, how might this apply to us? Because I don't think anyone here is technically owned by another person. You're not a slave. This passage, I think, does employ, speak to us and can apply to all of the roles that I just mentioned, husbands and wives and children and parents, but also employees and employers and students and teachers and business owners and children doing chores and parents giving chores and homeschool moms and parents caring for their kids and teachers and volunteers in church. He says, you are to Embrace all of those things with the mindfulness that you do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to the Father. You do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ when you serve your boss. That's how you should think in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, doing everything with word and deed. You are to, in word and deed, you are serving the Lord Jesus Christ when you serve your husband. When you love your wife, you're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. When you obey mom and dad, you are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. When you respond in a respectful way, in a very difficult way to that hard situation at work, 
but you're doing it to reflect that you have another master and a greater rewarder. You're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is my boss. He is watching. He is obs- I am obsessed with him because he is all that will really ever matter. He sets my duties and he has become my delight. And I want to display him. Pleasing him has become my devotion. I want to ask you, Faith Church of Linden, what is your duty according to these verses? And what are you depending on or who are you depending on to do your duty? Oh, you can't do it in yourself. You must depend on him, Christ, and he promises his help. What are you devoted to? Or is it yourself and your name and your comfort and your rights? Oh, thank God that Jesus was not devoted to his rights when he came on earth. He was devoted to serving his Father in heaven. And he did it for you. And if you're here this morning and you say, this Christianity biz, I'm not sure about it. I'm not sure if I'm really a Christian. Oh, I welcome you to the greatest obsession of which you were made to embrace the Lord Jesus Christ to be your boss forever. He died on the cross and rose from the dead to forgive sins, and he, you need your sins forgiven. And you need to turn from your sins, and you need to accept his free gift of removing those sins and giving you his life and putting yourself under his authority. It's what you were made for. And I invite you to that. It's called the good news. And it actually frees us from our slavery to sin and self and brings us to slavery to him, which is glorious. Paul would say to Christians, no matter what role you're in, whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to the Father through him. Husbands, wives, children, fathers and mothers, grandparents, singles, divorced and widows and widowers and bosses and business owners, you who are powerful, new worker, professional, student, retired, deacon, bathroom cleaner, kids worker, greeter, Diaper changer, food and meal provider, grass cutter. You belong to him. He is your life. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks for the strength, giving thanks for the salvation, giving thanks for the inheritance that is surely going to give come, giving thanks for a perspective that you would never have apart from him. Christ is your boss. You get your duties from him, and they're glorious. You get your strength from him, and it's sufficient. You seek to please him because that's all that matters. You seek to show him off because you represent his name. He is meant to be your delight. Do you give thanks to him? 
I want to conclude by saying this. Maybe applying the very end of the passage when he talks to slaves, bondservants, applying it to all of us. Faith Church of Linden, no matter what role you're in, and you're in multiple roles in your life right now, whether it be wives or husbands or singles or children, parents, students, employees, servants, you are called to live with sinful people who will not be easy in any of those roles. Let me repeat that. You will be called to live with sinful, difficult, unwise people for the rest of your life. You need to remind yourself of this. I serve a heavenly master while I serve these earthly people. I serve a heavenly master while I serve these earthly people. And two, I serve, I strive to please the Lord whether or not I please the people around me. I serve the Lord. And I will work heartily, wholeheartedly, and hard and thorough and completely. I will work heartily for a heavenly reward while working for who I'm called to work for, whether I get an earthly reward or not. And in serving the people around me, I am actually serving the Lord Jesus Christ. He has called me to them to reflect Christ and point Christ to them because he made me to be that light, drawing others to the same one who drew me and you to him, Jesus Christ. Oh, may God help us to know that we have a heavenly master, the Lord Jesus Christ, to seek to please him, that to seek the heavenly reward that matters far, far greater than any earthly incentive or reward that you could receive here in your work. That serving the Lord Jesus is serving others. It's what you were saved for. This is our life of worship. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And oh, may we bear his name. Faith Church, whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name, the name that you were baptized in, the name that saved you, that you believed upon, the name that you bear and his glorious do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh God, please help us. God, we will sin and fail, and we will live far short of this calling and standard that the Apostle Paul gave us. But oh God, you can right now, and we ask that you would convict our hearts, prick us, stab our hearts, that we would confess our sins right now, our rebellion, our complaining, our disobedience, our faithlessness, our lack of a perspective that we're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh God, it is just here that you would want us to just come to you. You love a humble, broken heart that confesses his sin to you. So God, forgive us. And God, would you help us day by day to grow, to know what it means to serve the Lord Jesus Christ with our husband and wife and with our parents and our children our work, with our co-workers, with our roommate, whoever else you put in our lives, be glorified. May this church shine as holy, Christ-obsessed, 
beautiful. In Jesus' name, amen.